Hi, I'm Melissa. And I'm Jesse. Welcome to the Reimagine Success Podcast. We're a husband and wife team who want to make a difference and change the way we all view success. We've had the privilege of interviewing so many amazing, talented, and successful guests. Each one of them experienced success in their own way. We want to change how society views success by inspiring you to live your best life and celebrate your successes no matter what that looks like, big and small. Success looks so different for everyone, and we want you to reimagine your success. Welcome to Season 2 of Reimagine Success. Welcome back to Season 2 of Reimagine Success. Man, this season's been off with a bang. We've had such amazing guests already. I know. I mean, I've learned so much. I feel like I'm growing. I feel like all of our guests are teaching not only our listeners, but us something every single day. Yeah. And what's cool is that um, we're going to be working with some of these people, uh, following up with them in the future. So be prepared for a lot of big things coming in the future. And speaking of future, we've got a pretty big weekend ahead of us. A huge weekend. MomoCon is this weekend in Atlanta, Georgia uh, at the convention center in downtown. So if you are planning on going to MomoCon, please come out and see me. I will be at booth 508. Um, if you go to my Instagram page, there is a map, a detailed map, and then my booth number is marked out. So you'll be able to find me, but definitely come by, say hello, grab a photo. It's going to be a really exciting time. And she will be dressed like crimson. So if you have not seen that, uh, either in pictures, I don't know where you've been, but if you haven't seen it live, it's definitely worth seeing because she looks amazing in the outfit. And I will have a custom sword at, at the booth. So I'm really excited about that. And, and speaking of excited, we have an amazing guest today and just all of our guests already have been so amazing, but today we have Faye, and Faye will go ahead and introduce you. Yeah, this, Faye Wu helps small business owners craft video content to showcase their products and services and to grow their customer base with YouTube, podcast, and virtual event strategies designed to meet their business needs. She's a bilingual podcaster, English and Mandarin Chinese, the creator of Faye's World Media, a monetized YouTube channel with 18,000 subscribers and 50,000 views per month, over 50,000 views per month. Uh, Phase World podcast with over 200,000 downloads worldwide and Phase World documentary series on Amazon Prime. Faye left her job in marketing and advertising to build a company of her own called Phase World with a mission to help small businesses and creative entrepreneurs tell better stories, find more customers, and create new revenue streams. She also teaches others how to run better Zoom meetings and webinars, own and monetize their content on YouTube via Phase World Academy. Her stories have been featured on Dory Clark in her best-selling book called Entrepreneurial You, as well as Harvard Business Review. What a bio. What an introduction. Welcome, Faye. Oh, my Faye. goodness. Faye, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Thank you, guys. You guys make me sound so fancy. I was like listening to it as if I'm part of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are fancy. I mean, look at that. Amazon. Pedigree. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I'm, I'm just thrilled to have you on the Reimagine Success podcast. And you have not only uh, we work together, but not only that, but we have turned into friends. And mm -hmm. I am just so grateful to have you in our life. And, and I, I can't wait to dive into this, this interview. I'm an open book. I'm just so glad. I'm very grateful to have met you and, you know, Jesse. And, you know, we briefly talked, uh, I mean, not so long ago, chatted on my live stream and people really enjoy the content. So grateful to uh, be here for this conversation. 
Yeah, awesome. it's really cool because we're kind of reversing the roles today. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were with Faye on her podcast. So make sure you check out that yeah. episode. Make sure you check out her podcast yeah. in general. It's super amazing. And she's like one of the best hosts out there. And you'll catch Melissa and myself on there a couple of weeks ago. And now we've, we've swapped and we'll be doing the interviewing and Faye's our guest. So we're really <laughs> excited about it. And we were actually on Faye's podcast. That was our first pod podcast switching it. And we couldn't be more grateful. Yes. Um, and today is just going to be just as much fun. Um, <laughs> so with that, Faye, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, let you let the audience and let the listeners know your story and where you came from. Sure. And thanks for that intro. But, you know, obviously there was a life that happened before yeah. all of that becoming mm -hmm. a creative entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. I was uh, born and raised in Beijing, China uh, in the 80s and had a, a pretty wonderful childhood with uh, like everybody else. There's a middle part that was kind of traumatic, but I really I have great parents. Uh, my dad passed away in 2009, which piqued my interest in palliative care, hospice and all that. So, um, you know, I came to the States when I was 17, I just turned 17. I was a, uh, basically became a high school senior playing ice hockey with boys. Ooh. Oh, wow. And yeah. A lot of stories there. And <laughs> after I graduated, I immediately fell in love during that summer between high school and college with Taekwondo martial arts. I ended up pursuing and getting my third degree black belt in 2015, maybe, and, uh, you know, moved on to working in consulting and advertising marketing for the next 10 years and finally decided to start my own company as a freelancer at first and then slowly but surely finding my own clients um, since 2016 all the way through now. So I feel very grateful, very fortunate to have carved out that path before the pandemic. And uh, I was able to then, you know, be able to teach other people and share my experience. So in a nutshell, that's kind of who I am, where I came from. Well, I mean, that's amazing. Six years now you've been running your own business and you came from, uh, came from another career. How, how was it like leaving that other career? Yeah, I think, you know, leaving that career with a solid income benefits and also a lot of um, Rolodex for clients, a lot of fancy client names, Fortune 500. Uh, there was definitely some risks, but I was very lucky to be surrounded by entrepreneurs who had already done it. Mm -hmm. People closer to my age, older or younger, because of the podcast is something that I, you know, I recommend to everybody at that time, I had been running my show for almost exactly two years. So when you think about releasing weekly episodes, which I did, I had already spoken with a hundred people yeah. and there were it's incredible when you think about two years, how much can we really learn and accomplish in two years? And I talked to a hundred incredible people from all walks of life, all, you know, skin color, backgrounds, mm -hmm. language, accents, mm -hmm. and that really opened up my eyes. Yeah, it's been super cool being on that side of things for us, because I mean, you know, we are at episode, I think. 29 mm -hmm. this week mm -hmm. or 30. It, I think it's episode 30 actually. And we've talked to around like 25 different guests at this point. We've had a couple solo episodes, but for the most part, we've had a guest almost every week. And throughout this time, we are like meeting just the coolest people. Right. And, and like Melissa said earlier in the intro, just learning unbelievable amounts every single week. It's like a weekly masterclass with the guests. And so I can imagine after years and years of doing this, the people that you've spoken to and what you've gleaned from it, you've, you must learn so much every single week. Oh, we become so much smarter. I was going to say how much smarter 
that you feel that you have become not just by sheer IQ points, but like you said, I mean, if I, it's hard for me to categorize the, my guests. So my show briefly called phase world, isn't about just niche down how to do this one thing, how to become this one thing. Instead, it was my outlet to connect with whoever I wanted. So I would literally be going to a Cirque du Soleil show and see the two flyers or aerialists and say, I'm going to reach out to them. I really hope they have their website because Cirque du Soleil doesn't review anybody's names, right? Um, only the names of the acts. So that's why it's important for you to become an entrepreneur, put your voice, put your names uh, out there. But then I would also encounter uh, people, for instance, I would be watching, finishing an Apple Plus uh, show or something or something on Netflix. I spotted. I love these independent documentary films. And I see the credits roll through, be like, I want to talk to that guy. Or I could be watching where, you know, Melissa from, you know, on TV. And I'll be like, I want to be like that girl. And mm -hmm. I might just reach out to her directly. That's literally how I reach out to people. Uh, still yeah. is how I connect with people today. And you, Jesse and I was actually just talking about this the other day, and it is such an amazing platform in order to not only learn and grow, but build your community and, mm -hmm. and build your base of, of people. So mm -hmm. it, it's just, it's for anyone out there, it's, it's just a great platform and, you know, everyone needs to learn and podcasting and, and video podcasting is just the best mm -hmm. solution out there. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really great to just be able, like like you said, you see something cool that you enjoy, you reach out. I did the same thing. We had a, a juggler that actually was at Cirque du Soleil as well. Um, she's a Ukrainian juggler, lives in Germany, mm -hmm. and um, I, I saw her doing a trick on on Facebook. Somebody had shared a post, and so I looked her up, found her Instagram, reached out, you know, just by chance to see if she was interested, and she was, and she came on, had an amazing story. So it's like the the people you see. They've got great stories and it's so cool to be able to interview them and get to know them and, and hear their story and let them share that with the world. So what you're doing is absolutely amazing and we respect that and think it's just the coolest. I'm glad you guys are doing the same thing because, you know, I think there's a misconception of, oh, the podcasting world is so saturated and you don't need another host and you don't need more stories there are people who actually will say that, like sometimes mm -hmm. to our faces. Yeah. But it's right, it's not true. Even if the three of us interview the same person, exact same person, we will most likely ask different questions. That person will have different chemistry mm -hmm. connecting Absolutely. with each one of us and be able to share a different perspective. At the very least, I think we all learn, even just people from within the interview, we all learn something from each other. And it, and it's really cool that you say that because every podcast is a little bit different. And, mm -hmm. you know, we focus on uh, like positivity and, and making sure that you celebrate your successes and successes mm -hmm. and failures and struggles. Um, whereas mm -hmm. another podcast may focus on HR solutions mm -hmm. and the same guest, like you said, will have such vast information and knowledge to give uh, for each podcast. So it's really cool. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, you, the two of you were in an event with the company that we all work for, Executive Summits, and you were interviewing Mark Cuban. And mm -hmm. while Melissa and I were sitting there watching, we're like, oh, man, we wish we could get him on our podcast because there's so many other questions that we wanted to ask that weren't really on topic with because it was a CEO <laughs> summit. And mm -hmm. like we just had all these burning <laughs> questions that we wanted to dive deeper into. And we're sitting there like, oh, I wish we could just ask him these questions right now. <laughs> yeah, it, the desire is so real. And you touch upon something really important, because when I started my show, I was literally practicing with whoever 
that I was comfortable with. I would talk to the colleagues that I admired, which by the way, was not everybody. I was very selective. And then I went to family <laughs> members and, and all that, but quickly, right? How do you make the decision? Make that, is that a leap? Is that a um, distinction or decision to go after really famous people? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I absolutely understand that appeal because a lot of people want to be put, you know, on somebody's radar to say, wow, this person, you know, somebody still asked me like, oh, you interviewed Seth Godin. There's so many people who came to me. He's like, how did you interview Seth? And how did you put him on in your documentary? How did you do that? Like even the how to do that, people mm-hmm. are interested in learning. But in the long run, I'm curious to hear what you have learned. I know it's been six months, seven months. Uh, but, you know, I noticed that sometimes the everyday unsung heroes just have even more to say about their lives and uh, more relatable, practical skills to share with us. Like, what are your thoughts? Well, I feel like for us, what we've learned so far is just to be open to everything that comes across you. Because mm-hmm. in order to, at first, of course, we did the same exact thing as you. We went to our mm-hmm. friends, we went, you know, to our family members. Hey, we have this podcast that we're doing. Can you guys come on? Mm-hmm. Um, but then it, it, it started where people were kind of reaching out to us and, Mm -hmm. you know, we were kind of going after people that we didn't know. And it's such a different experience. I feel like from interviewing someone, you know, personally to, Mm -hmm. to interviewing someone you have not physically met before, Mm -hmm. and you just met them through zoom or, you know, Mm -hmm. through video, and you're trying to learn their personalities while you're interviewing them. And, you know, it's, it's, really just being open and being Mm. present. And I know we talked a little bit about that on your podcast, being present and listening, um, Mm. listening and growing as you go along. Yeah, because everybody has a different perspective and everybody's got a story to tell, Yeah, which is the thing I love about humanity is we all have these different journeys and we all discover things in different ways. And and, you know, we might all be in the same field doing similar things, but it looks radically different. And it's so cool to like we we highlight people's success stories mm-hmm. and we look at small successes, big successes, all of it. So everybody has success in one way or another. Nobody's a complete failure in life. Even if you feel like you're a complete failure, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that you got up today and brushed your teeth and put on clothes, that's <laughs> a success. For some people. Like sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to celebrate yeah. even the most minute things. Um, so just hearing the different perspectives from the people that we have, and like you said, some of these unsung heroes who will never get fame and accolades just because that's not what they desire, but getting mm-hmm. to feature their story and using their story to impact other people is mm-hmm. so cool because we get to give them a voice where they didn't have one before. Absolutely. A variety is key. Yeah. It's not either mm-hmm. or, but both. And so it's good for us to practice as well. Right. Right. Uh, So going back to your story, Faye, Mm -hmm. I know that you transitioned over to America. You said when you were 16. Mm -hmm. And so what was it like coming over to America and adapting to a brand new culture? Have you been to the United States before that? And, And what was that process like? Yeah, it was such an incredible experience. And this part, by the way, is something that I never thought anybody would be interested in. I love it. I love it. Right. Like I never knew that it was interesting. And yet, like everybody seems to be kind of interested in that transition. And for me, something kind of unusual or maybe not so unusual happened is when this happened with this as in 
1999 and really years leading up to that, I kind of knew that I wanted to kind of start a new life. I don't know why I felt that way as a 14, 15 year old. I wanted to do something different academically. Academically, I was okay, but I wasn't the number one strongest, you know, top 10%. So I probably wouldn't be able to go to like the Tsinghua University, Beijing University, which is the Harvard of China. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of emphasis on academic work, but something about me, I didn't know I was going to be a creative entrepreneur. That that (laughs) phrase didn't exist, but I knew it was something different than what was kind of the paved path. And I had the pleasure of meeting groups of kids from overseas. Some of them, you know, actually came from the U.S. I still remember was Highland Park High School in Chicago, of all places, stopped (laughs) by our high school. Mm. And basically it was just like a day trip and they were kind of touring different schools in China. They were kind of shocked at the amount of the mountains of work that we had to do and like what we're focusing on. And Mm. given my English wasn't really all that fluent at the time, I remember all the, just all these fantastic conversations I had with the other 15 year olds and different perspectives and insights in those very brief moments. And I said, you know what? I can imagine being friends and I can imagine living in another country on my own. I think when you're young, you don't really foresee or really worry about all the things, all the challenges later on. <laughs> and I, I encourage all of us to kind of go back to our younger selves. And I, I know we have different experiences, but I was so gung-ho about it. I was so excited. And uh, my parents didn't speak English. Um, they were also kind of, they didn't know, like, what? We didn't agree <laughs> to this. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> I, what, why do you, you know, why do you have this idea? And I sometimes <laughs> I watch YouTube channels to see, like, someone who looks like Melissa now living permanently in South Korea. I was sitting there, it's like, oh, my God, I can imagine being the parent and my daughter approaching me to say, I want to live in another country. <laughs> and I just realized, like, I did exactly that. And <laughs> So I did. And I reached out to the agency, um, several agencies, selected schools based on two factors. One is what the tuition may be. It was a lot for all the private schools. Um, I think it was like thirty-two, thirty-five thousand $35,000. Yeah. Back in 2000, we're boarding yeah. students. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the other is like, I wanted to make sure that they had a hockey team, boys or girls, doesn't matter. So those are my two criterias. And uh, so my how mom's- long, can, yeah. I, can I pause right there? How long Please. were you playing hockey up to, at this point? I'm just curious because- uh, <laughs> Only a year. Can you okay. imagine that? And, and you were just that into it. Wow. That you oh, were- I was so into it. There's something about uh, growing up and being like in my body- uh, it was really hard to have to like obey all the rules. I, I kind of started piecing together all these things like recently. Uh, and I realized that, you know, I grew up for 10 years. I grew up with only boy cousins. They were like pretty violent and they could mm. do anything. I couldn't, my grandparents were extremely strict. It was like, you're a girl, you can't do this. You can't all these rules. So I had very like, um, a negative association with mm. being a woman, being a girl. And I just want to break away from all that. I think playing hockey or just simply skating, I didn't really need the game as I learned recently is being free, being speedy, being so uh, care, careless or carefree um, just gave me that freedom to reimagine myself my and my own identity. I love that. I love that too. And, you know, speaking of, I'm sure, over, uh, Asian culture has a lot of strict rules. I know, mm-hmm. um, you know, over, here in America, a lot of, uh, I know Jesse can talk about the kids. Oh yeah. The, yeah. My, all my Asian students were always my hardest working yeah, and just, like 
they would tell me stories about their parents. Like if they didn't oh. get certain grades, you mm-hmm. know, they would just be in big, big trouble. And um, a lot of pressures and, you know, just the, the drive to succeed was so much stronger than, you know, your typical average American yeah. student. Do you, oh, do you feel like that, that when you actually came over to the United States, that you were a little bit farther along than, than... oh, I was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I believe it. I believe it because of the, the criteria <laughs> that you had at your schools, it's, it <laughs> feels like that your agenda from day to day was a lot stricter than what we have over here in order to, to promote education and promote mm-hmm. growth and, and increase our brains, basically. Mm-hmm. It, it's so funny that you asked that question, Melissa and Jesse, observing, I forgot that you're an educator. So you get to see all of this and you're mm-hmm. uh, inevitably immersed in a very multicultural environment yeah. as a result. And I think for me, I was kind of cracking up because when you come here, your math, physics, chemistry, all these things is they come so easy, so easily to us because we start taking calculus when we're in seventh grade. What? <laughs> you know, by the, it was crazy. By the time I was a senior in high school when I took a, calculus, I a senior, and I had to take it for an AP course because they weren't going to offer it just normally. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's a tremendous amount. Of, first of all, I don't think I I chose. Certainly, I did not choose that path. I was mm-hmm. kind of just forced into it. Right. This is what every kid did, mm-hmm. and uh, you are ought to do the same. And I think. You know, looking back, you come here, all the science stuff is pretty straightforward, but let's not forget there's the English side, there's Mm. humanity, there's American Mm. history, History. which we didn't really learn much about all these like very, um, I don't know, like verbiage heavy, like contextually, like how do we actually make sense of these things that I, (laughs) right, all these like crazy things. And then I, but it was so fascinating for, I think you grow up and you develop very quickly in a way that on top of all this knowledge that's brand new to you, now you're speaking a completely foreign language. This is not a dialect in Chinese. And you need to interact with kids, international kids, uh, local kids, and um, different ways. It was just so much information all at once. And I am so honored and so fortunate to be in that environment to learn so much about it. Wow, that's so cool. Not to mention the English language is one of the stupidest languages (laughs) on the planet. It makes no sense. I I think I count my blessings all the time that I was born a native English speaker because to try to learn this language as a second language, I just can't even fathom how difficult that could be. Right. And and also, yeah, also coming coming over here and now starting your own business as an Asian Mm -hmm. woman. Um, how has it been working so hard to build your brand, you know, especially in the climate over, uh, over the last two years, you know, COVID Mm -hmm. and everything that's been going on. Um, and people are being so insensitive toward Asians during, you know, due to the stereotype that came along with COVID. How's it been through that process, especially the last two years? Yeah, that's a great question. And something I feel like we need to talk about and Mm -hmm. acknowledge and address it because I think because I came here when I was really young, you know, now I look at uh, young couples in their twenties that come together and they establish a life, they have children, like, like they're, they had this framework and the support system when they're here, someone mm-hmm. they're familiar with. I very much just came by myself. I have to establish not just, you know, when I was young, it was just any sort of relationships and career path and schools. And I had to build everything from scratch and frankly, couldn't really call mom and dad either because they wouldn't Mm. know what to do. Right. They're not in this environment. Right. 
<laughs> so I, I think I learned very quickly, but also I think when you're that young and also you, there's just so much going on, frankly, more than you can learn and process at any given time. I think I kind of put on my blinders as well to say, okay, I'm going to immerse myself in the culture. So I'm going to not go to Chinatown and eat Chinese food all day. Mm. I'm not going to only make Chinese friends. Uh, I'm grateful that they're there. And uh, frankly, my private high school didn't really have a ton of Chinese kids. So it's unlike today, you go to, you go to like Newton Academy, it's like all Chinese. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's crazy. I see the picture. It's like, oh my God, is it, are they in China or here? And uh, it's, it's incredible. And I just didn't really have that. So, but I got to say that in recent years, I come, not recent years, I, since the past 10 years, I decided to completely take off the blinders and really acknowledge and appreciate my Asian heritage because, you know, I wasn't really born and raised in this country and I was 16, 17. So I was, you know, going towards adulthood and I realized it was time and I had specific things I wanted to do. Like, how do I support the Asian American community, specific creators? Um, So I noticed that I sort of had a head start compared to some of my friends who were literally starting their businesses in the middle of the pandemic, not just Asian Americans, anyone I know, mm-hmm. and it's been a challenge. So I feel like I have a head start. And frankly, what I also know about being a podcaster and YouTuber is that if people choose not to watch my video or learn this thing about me, the way I teach, they don't have to watch it. If people mm-hmm. were like, I much prefer to learn from a non-Asian person, that person can simply click away. I'm not encouraging anyone to do this, but people who end up finding me, choosing me, including Michael Price, who discovered me, on YouTube, uh, he's like, yeah, I just Google who knows, a, you know, Zoom, Zoom webinars the most. And I found you and I contacted you. So, so your SEO is working. <laughs> my SEO is working and you kind of filter through uh, mm-hmm. people who, you know, have, you know, have any sense of discrimination where wouldn't feel comfortable working with a person of another race. Um, I have people who admit it to that actually. You'd be mm-hmm. like, I, feel, I, I, I don't hate Asian people. I just don't know how to operate. I don't know what questions to ask. I don't feel comfortable. I said, wow. okay, let's open another conversation. What do you want to know? What ask me, right? Yeah. So that's a, that's a great way to look at it. What mm-hmm. do you want to know? Ask me. Let get to. I'm I'm a human just like you are. <laughs> yeah, like just because you have a different color skin or you know, like you just you, you eat food, you sleep, you, you bathe yourself, like all normal human things. Like we're all, Did we're you put all on pants. <laughs> <laughs> put on clothes in the morning, yeah. brush my teeth. Yeah. Like, like we're all, we're all just people. We all do the same stuff. It just looks a little bit different because we live in different places and grow up in different environments and learn different things. Um, which, which leads me to ask, So I'm, I'm unbelievably intrigued by Chinese culture. Like I just think it's beautiful and there's a lot of really great things in the Chinese culture that I think that we could benefit from in American culture. So what, what are some of those things that you think that you saw growing up that you kind of miss about Chinese culture that you don't see here in America as much? Oh, absolutely. I wish people talk about these things more because when you come here, People like to, uh, most people like to ask what it's like to be an only child, Mm -hmm. the one child policy and uh, all politics and religion related topics. But I think what I miss the most is the intricacies of art, calligraphy. Mm. My mom, who was a master artist at the Forbidden City in Beijing, China for 40 years, I grew up Mm. feeling so privileged and surrounded by culture 
I played, I rollerbladed inside the Forbidden City. I played tennis against the walls, which you can't do that anymore. Um, and you, these days you have to wear like booties or something. You got like plastic bag around your shoes to walk around these places. <laughs> oh, whereas, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a very free, you know, like it didn't really have any worries whatsoever. So the, the, uh, the cultural side and the art and, and what I also miss is I think the certain type of interactions that we have with people because we were uh, kind of a developing country uh, for many, many years, I think people realize the necessity to stay close together. So grandparents mm. help other kids, but mm. your neighbors, oh my goodness, like your neighbors, not just whoever lived next door, anybody in the building, people are like 10 blocks away. Mm. If you need something, you can talk to them. Mm. And everybody felt really close. Whereas I look at the neighborhood I'm in right now, which is gorgeous, but you know, these are the three, 4,000 square foot uh, houses and, you know, everybody kind of has their own kind of isolated in their own homes. Whereas in China, if you're bored, you call up your friends and off you go. There are restaurants everywhere. There are tea shops that open through midnight, two in the morning. So it was really kind of very close, very cultural. You don't need to get, to get, get together to get drunk. There are a lot of places like bubble tea. You can have tiny little dim sum desserts. Like there seems to be a little more variety to life um, that I kind of missed and the closeness. I love that. I, I love that uh, the community, the community is the best thing. Like you, you hear the phrase, you know, go to your neighbor for some sugar or borrow some sugar. And that doesn't happen anymore. Um, mm. We moved into our house about a month ago now and a little over a month. And we haven't met any of our neighbors. Yeah, None of them. It's sad. It's really, they might wave or something on the yeah. passing each other down the road, but yeah. we literally don't know any of our neighbors. And before this, we lived in a condo. So literally it was just a building full of houses, you know, you <laughs> know people all around us and we didn't know any of them. And it's just mm-hmm. so sad. Like I watched the, the old shows where, you know, the neighbors come over every single day, like full house, you know, Kim yeah. Gibbler was always next door coming over to the Tanner house. <laughs> and it, like mm-hmm. that, you just don't have that anymore. You don't have community. You don't have togetherness. People are so separated. And that's something that is really, really sad. And I, I think that's awesome that they're still doing it. Is it still like that today in China? You know, I think also a little less so than it was before. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's just part of the, our revolution of uh, uh, becoming a part of an evolution of who we become. Everybody's so busy and, you know, reimagine success is like everybody still has these preconceptions of, oh, I need to go to the school, get paid how much and just really build up on top of that. It's true. You know, the student debt is real here as well as it's back home. Um, we did the calculation of living in Beijing. It's like very much like San Francisco in the U S where, oh, wow. right. It's you calculate it's like, oh, I'm, I'm 25 now. I could work all my life and not be able to buy a home, mm-hmm. not a condo, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So that is tremendous amount of stress that make you make poor decisions, make different decisions and often not very good decisions when you're desperate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. a, lot, a lot of people live their entire lives in the fight or flight mode mm-hmm. because you're always your stressed out. Always stressed. You're always yeah. worried. You're always sick. You know, like all, all the demands that life puts on people keeps mm. us feeling in that state of tension constantly. And it's a really terrible way to live. Yeah, for sure. So, so now when you started in your career here in the United States, did you, did you, were you happy 
at your career? Did, were you, did you feel still fulfilled or did you still feel like there was something missing and you were trying to fill it, but it just wasn't quite there? Oh, it was a lot missing yeah. uh, for me. I, I knew that I had known that for a long time. I think, you know, I know that since my early twenties and it became so crystal clear when my dad got sick, when I was 24 and have to travel under tremendous amount of stress. And I think our, there's a book called our body keeps a score, right? There's, you just carry that, uh, mm-hmm. trauma inside of you, that fear. And, uh, and that's, you know, I, I, back then I remember knowing a few people to say like, Oh, my mom got sick and I brought her to the hospital 10 days in a row because I needed to, I'm like, how do you do that? Well, I'm an entrepreneur. I get to do that. So, you know, my eyes were kind of opened up to all these possibilities and that the biggest one, number one on the list, as we talk about time, freedom, get to choose and, you know, follow our passion, do what we love. My number one freedom is pretty easy is I want to be there when my loved ones get sick. And I know it doesn't happen all the time. Thank God. Um, but when they are, or my friends, I want to be there for them. And mm-hmm. I have been able to do that. You know, one of my dear friends years ago, I think 2016 or 17, lost her husband. And literally she was so fearful to go to her mammogram (laughs) at this place. That's one hour away from where we lived. And Mm. I just drove, I drove by myself, waited there with her for hours. I don't know Mm. why it took so long. She turned out to be okay, but I realized just how much it meant to me and to us. Um, Obviously that's not all of it. So for me, that, that is a huge mindset shift into doing what I do today. Oh yeah. I mean, that just shows your heart as well. Uh, You know, I'm very similar when it comes to that. I would love to be there for my friends and my family all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, when you do have a day job in nine to five, you know, you have a lot going on and then we do have our creative after work, Mm. uh, you know, it, it, it limits your life. It limits your social life. It limits, you know, uh, my sister just uh, had a a trauma thing happen in her life and Mm. I wasn't able to be there for her to actually give her a physical hug. And Mm. that just broke my heart as much as it broke her heart, you know, that we're not able to be there all the time for each other. So for you to be able to be there for your friends and family and to support them and they support you, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's incredible feeling. Um, There were a lot of different things missing from a traditional career. And, um, you know, we can certainly dive into that. But I think one thing, one pivots coming out of a full time corporate America career is that what people don't realize that you sometimes you you leave certain people behind, you still love and care for them. Mm -hmm. But because now you've entered into a different world and our time is limited, and Mm -hmm. maybe some of the things that you do, they they may, you know, admire sometimes they were like, what? what is podcasting? Why are you doing this? You're right. so weird. And, you know, and then you kind of, you know, you part ways and there's certain grief to that, right? Not related yeah. to death. Right. But yeah. Well, it, well, it is a little bit, it is, it is like a, a death in the family sort of, because you're, you are parting and mm-hmm. it's like a death of that friendship. And, and then, unfortunately in this day and age, we do have to pick our, our friends and who is close to us and who is uh, surrounds us and who is our mentors. And, you know, you have to be careful on picking those people or else, you know, their energy will, will throw off on you. Absolutely. Yeah. Something Melissa and I have been talking a lot about is who is going on our journey with us. Um, because if you're not going on our journey with us, then you're not going to hold us back. And we're just going to have to leave you at the train station as we get on because this train's leaving. And, uh, you know, like we, we, we realized that 
it's mm-hmm. hard and some people's feelings might get hurt, but you know, mm-hmm. like we only have a limited amount of time that we have to even give to friends or family. Even, you know, sometimes you have to back away from some family members because they're mm-hmm. sucking you dry. And mm-hmm. so we, we really take time to evaluate our friendships and the people that are in our lives. And we say, you know, like, is this person worth, and I hate that it sounds like this, but is this person worth the time that we're taking away from other things that we could be doing to spend time with them? And if not, if they're not helping us grow or succeed in any kind of way, then really at this point in our lives, we just don't have time for frivolous relationships. It's true. It's true. Whatever you say yes to means no to something else. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Yep. Yeah. And so speaking of leaving your, your marketing career. Now, was there any un, there fear or uncertainty when you left that position? Yeah. You know, I think I probably did, but I felt very little amount of it knowing that I had mentors. I had people I could go to. Um, you know, I have a partner who really supports me and we're both freelancers and my mom, my dad, even technically they were all kind of freelancers and creators. So I felt like, how bad could it be? And the one thing is like, I could always, always go back to get a full-time job. At least that's what I thought back then. Mm-hmm. And right. if you were to ask me again, I can never go back. You know, <laughs> it's just not possible anymore. And, you know, I'm really grateful um, knowing, but for everybody else who's listening and thinking about this, like, yes, you can turn around because frankly, freelancing or creative entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. Uh, it, it's right mm-hmm. for me. It's right for you guys, but not for everyone. It's okay to change your mind. And it's not a, a, a sense of failure if you do choose to go back. Right. So for me, right, knowing that you got your parachute, you got, you know, you got your cushion, you're good. And speaking of cushion, I financially, I waited long enough. Uh, I also had to, I also needed a green card, not through marriage, but something I, I do on my own, like <laughs> work, there's nothing, you know, I got to do this on my own. And um, so I did it and I waited until I was like th- 32 or so when I made the leap. So at that point I was like, you know what, I can live comfortably for a year and a half to frankly, maybe two years. I was very Mm. careful about saving 401k, Mm. not spending the money. I didn't have all those decisions leading to what's the worst could happen. Don't hire me for two years. I'm going to be okay. And of course I was busy within the weekend. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. That's so cool. (laughs) So something I want to dive into a little bit in that I'm just super interested is you mentioned you were a third degree black belt. And for our listeners who aren't looking at you right now, you don't have a large frame. You're a pretty frail woman, but but like a third degree that like, I I have a feeling that you could probably kick my butt pretty easily. (laughs) Although I'm pretty frail at myself. <laughs> That's um, funny. I am five, four for people. Cause I also, I kind of co-host a show for, or a co-producer show called enabled disabled. We do this thing at the beginning describing ourselves. So yeah, oh, I'm five, four, smart. I'm 126 pounds, give or take. And uh, Melissa was going to ask you, you look very tall. You are, I, I am five, seven. Five okay, seven, five, like so you look like five ten to me. No. Um, <laughs> well, I had heels on earlier. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, very very proportionate. You know, you're like um. So for me, yeah, I um actually start looking back to that experience of having to fight with having to spar with a lot of people much bigger than me. Frankly, a lot of people like when you're tall in martial arts that is a huge advantage because the Mm -hmm. range where you can operate in Mm -hmm. is just huge. People have to get really close to you. And if you're bigger, you can beat that person up pretty easily. And overcoming that fear and and keep going was kind of something I finally reflected on, not just a hobby. 
did you uh, get any kind of like really good discipline? Oh, I'm sure you did. But like, what kind of discipline lessons like do you still hang on to today in your life that you gleaned from the martial arts? Oh, for sure. I think it has so many parallels to entrepreneurship. And I wish, I mean, I can't believe that you brought this up. And I'm like, I'm going to create a mini course about this. Like, connecting <laughs> martial arts. You should. Entrepreneurship. How yes. can I think about this for 10 years? Yeah, it's your, new, it's your new book. My new, oh, I actually really love it. I just kind of that light bulb moment because <laughs> here you know, on Reimagine Success. <laughs> exactly. It's all happening right now in real time. Is I started really taking it seriously after my the week after my 18th birthday, I was by myself summer, uh, living uh, in Boston here during the summer. And so I signed up. And when you think about your, you're 18 years old, that's already very different than when you were eight or when mm-hmm. you were four. So now going was your, to college, what was yeah? your decision to sign up? Was it more of a self-defense kind of thing or just something you were curious about? I, I mean, being Chinese, the funny thing is like, we would take these martial art lessons kind of you know, half baked, half assed, you know, when we're growing up, like you, you mm-hmm. don't just be Chinese and everybody knows martial arts, just, just so everybody knows. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a myth. And, uh, I was not really spoiled in the sense, but my parents never pushed me literally like to force me to do anything. So I was signed up for these clubs and I didn't really just didn't really work with me. Like, you know, you go there, it's just a club. You're there to play with other kids. That was my experience growing up. And I felt like I really missed out mm. to be able to hone in on these skills. So I looked up whatever popular martial arts schools. It wasn't a Kung Fu school. I'm Chinese, but instead it's Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. It's a Korean martial art. I said, what the heck? I mean, just, I like the color belts. I'm just going to go. <laughs> and it was, right. It was so serious. It was from little kids to people my age, to people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50, all the way to like, there's somebody who's like 89, literally. Yeah, grandma, you see the whole family, like grandma, grandkids. Um, Mm -hmm. Once again, just like the podcast, I got exposed to so many people, not just my age. So people would literally tell me who somebody who's 28 to say, you're 18. I tell you, those problems would just melt away. And (laughs) people give me these advice where other 18 year olds are freaking out about. So I learned very quickly, but the one lesson I would say that informs maybe my future book would be, um, you know, when you're 18, that you think you're on top of the world and you are a little embarrassed to learn new things. I still remember I mm-hmm. love music and I tried to learn the, the saxophone in high school. I really wasn't good at it in college. I was even worse at it compared to all the other kids and um, were students. But for martial arts, it's like you're 18, you think you're so old and mature and you're putting in this white belt and you're learning all the basics. Um, Mm. But it's funny, nobody was really watching and they're very supportive. So that's one. And of course, when you're white belt, I still remember that moment to say, I gotta be able to do that wheel kick, which to describe it, you turn around and your back leg, just do this, you know, kind of sweeping motion all the way across. So powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that while I'm jumping. But of course, that's like a criteria that you have to learn when you're a blue or a red belt, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a white belt, I'm gonna get there today. And of course, you realize (laughs) it's not today. And they start going, showing from point A to B to C to D to E. There's so many steps to strengthen your body before you could get there. And all of a sudden it just clicked for me to say, oh, you don't just go from a full-time job to a multi six-figure entrepreneur right there. You have to go through these paths. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, some days gonna worse than the days before and that's okay. Cause I, I feel like there's such a clear reference in my head. So I never really truly get 
so burned out and frustrated that I wanted to stop. I think because of that. So great question. Thank you, Jesse. Man, I'm going to read this book when it comes out because I feel like it's got a lot of good nuggets. (laughs) You are going to get off this podcast and start writing. I already know it. (laughs) Typing uncontrollably (laughs) tonight. So let's go to your podcast because I love it. Uh, Phase World Media. If you guys mm-hmm. have not listened to her podcast, Phase World, um, then then definitely head over. We're going to have all the links uh, in our story notes. But what is the goal of the podcast and what kind of topics do you generally cover? Yeah. So for eight years that I've been running my show, it has really transitioned or pivoted a few times. And at the beginning, I thought was going to be, oh, I came from a digital marketing agency. I want to show other people the brilliant minds inside. That lasted for about like, I think, two to three months because Mm -hmm. (laughs) I kind of lost interest in talking about a career I knew that I was going to leave behind. And that became my little uh, pocket or a little kind of uh, like a secret hidden gem of episodes and voices I want to hear once I am actually this life is behind me. So very from there, I thought, okay, I'm going to make it be about unsung heroes and self-made artists. I don't want to hear these 25 men interviewing each other, talking about how rich and famous they are, make it be about this. And I realized as I was going through transitions and my own becoming, there's so many conversations I had were about that or about transitions Transitions and changes were extremely difficult in people's lives for a variety of reasons, from Mm -hmm. getting sick, becoming a caregiver, becoming moms. I never knew the becoming moms part are going to be really popular uh, because I wasn't a mom. I'm still not a mom. And women start writing to me about, oh, my goodness, your guest talking about postpartum depression. I just want to tell you how that episode transformed my life. I don't feel alone anymore to. Mm. Yeah. To like fast forward eight years later. There are, you know, I'm very focused on creative entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and very focused on people who have successfully made that transition operating at many different scales, like happily making $120,000, happily making 300K for people who are running multi-million dollar enterprises, selling multiple products and creating passive income streams because that is the only way and um, Mm -hmm. to to hit that kind of figure. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot of that. And there are uh, many like a series episodes on 10, 15 episodes on Cirque du Soleil that became really popular and we get all tickets and, you know, kind of be part of their lives. <laughs> it's been uh, amazing. So it's a hodgepodge, but right now it's creative entrepreneurship. So, so what were those transitions like going from, you know, one kind of topic and then going to another? How did you, how did you actually do that transition? Yeah, it was, you know, kind of happened organically. Okay. And I, I will admit the challenge because at the time people really didn't know who I was. I can't, I'm not, I really wasn't an influencer for the longest time as a podcaster. I, at least I didn't see myself to be one, even though uh, very quickly I interviewed a lot of tier ones like Jordan Harbinger, um, mm. you know, who's got one of the top 100 podcasts, uh, Krista Tibbet, someone I, from On Being, I've admired her for decades Seth Godin eventually, but I never really saw myself as this influencer with significant influence. So in other words, I can pivot pretty easily without pissing anybody off. (laughs) So I'm just being me. If you like to follow on, great, get on the train, get off the train very easily. There's no obligation. And there is something to, there's that freedom, uh, a celebration about being slightly unknown. Um, But I think the growth for me to become the, the person that people do contact because of the work I share is mostly YouTube, but I'll let you make the transition. 
<laughs> so keeping on going with the podcast, you've actually developed um, an AI system called Pod Intelligence. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that and how it integrates with your podcasts and um, the world and beyond and everything that you're doing? Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for teasing that out. So you can learn more at Pod intelligence.com. So pod intelligence.com. And so my partner, Adam and I finally put our feet down and say, we got to do this. We've been waiting for this to be available for eight, 10 years. So what it does, right. It's incredible. So for the longest time, we have been these creators, podcasters, and even webinar runners. Uh, We're just sitting on this, you know, mountain of information that we wish we could dive in and learn more, but you are burned out at the end of the day with a full-time job and, you know, working into the evening. And, and frankly, there's certain things that uh, AI, artificial intelligence and and natural language processing uh, will do better than human beings and much, much faster. So we rely on uh, natural language processing, so NLP, to uh, basically it's software-driven. Uh, this is not us uh, verbally giving any information. So we run it through our own software. 50 of your webisodes, episodes, podcasts, you know, from the entire year, or 50 different videos from your webinar. And we're then going to generate and tell you the keywords that mentioned throughout, like the through line of all the content that you produce, as well as individual episodes where you get word clouds, you know, keywords mentioned and contextually what's related to that keyword. So in other words, um, if people want to talk about single mom, what it's like to be in a single mom, that person doesn't have to keep repeating single moms for the context to show up for that keyword. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, there are synonyms being uh, developed and, and compiled and, you know, brands, people, places mentioned. And now in addition, we, I didn't think this was possible, but we're able to slice up hundreds of these audio clips and video clips up to one minute that you can easily use and repurpose on Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, LinkedIn, Facebook, you name it. Uh, it's been fantastic. It's we're something we're developing organically. And now we have multiple clients who already made purchases and makes us very happy. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> Faye actually showed me her demo. And if you are a podcaster or if you do summits, any kind of events, um, it, it is so brilliant. You literally type a keyword. You can say smile, for example, and the, the ent- entire video will come up in a, a little short segment and you can s- expand it a little bit. You can close it in a little bit. You can do it exactly a sentence and you can add that to your social media. You know, you can add that to a video clip and it's just mm-hmm. such a great product. So I'm so proud of you, Faye, like for, oh, for I'm coming so up glad. with this and doing this and we will help promote as much as possible guys. I'm telling you, this product is going to be the next big thing for podcasters. <laughs> and so I imagine glad. that probably helps a lot with like figuring out what your hashtags are and that sort yeah. of thing, because you can find all those topics that are talked about a lot. Right. And then you can start, you know, posting with using the hashtags. So you can reach those people that are interested in that. Yeah. Dead on Jesse. Like, you know, you, you gain a kind of uh, visibility into your hashtag, you can now pre-plan your content because otherwise we're kind of shooting in the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just like Phase World Podcast, last week was Circus, this week <laughs> is about transitions. I don't know what's going to happen <laughs> from now. And instead you can go back to the compilation of your content. And today, you know, this month we're going to focus on 
I know Asian American culture next next week or next month we'll focus on competitive advantage so you can actually understand what's been talked about like also you can identify content gaps where certain things that you really care about but you haven't had enough guests acknowledging or addressing those topics mm -hmm. and I think it just has so much potential we're making changes and trying to make it better every day I love it. I mean, I love the fact that you created this to, to solve a problem and mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. innovators, innovators. They think outside the box, they see a problem and they create something in order to solve it. I it's just brilliant. I love it. And speaking you. of that, you actually created your own, uh, docu uh, documentary series, series yeah. on Amazon. Mm -hmm. What was that like? And what was it like to see your documentary on Amazon? Oh, it was uh, incredible. That was a decision. That was a leap uh, I made because originally we were working with a distributor. So for people mm -hmm. making films, as you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. you work with them and you can no longer submit your work directly to Netflix, this and that. And it was a very low budget documentary series. I invested some and I found a sponsor and it, it was very, it's very magical. And I will preface by saying that I created the film not to, we're not here to win awards. It was um, the Phase World docu-series where I interviewed the, you know, the incredible people, including Sarah Cooper, who got really popular and famous in the past <laughs> two years. She's a comedian yeah. now. Seth Godin, we interviewed uh, the Atherton twins from Cirque du Soleil and Chris Voss, who never split the difference and <laughs> has his own masterclass. So a variety of people and to see their faces with me, on stage being interviewed, mm. it's fantastic. And I would say the um, sort of the external effect of, it becomes social proof for people. A lot mm -hmm. of people may just watch, frankly, a few minutes of it and they go, wow, you did this. How do I get to do that? And what, what was the experience like? And, and kind of um, uh, enriches the, the conversation that I have on different podcasts as well. Yeah, and another thing um, that, which what you're doing, you know, finding these people and, and, and bringing them into these platforms is so amazing and it's been really successful for you so far and a thing that people a lot of people really wonder about because you do have a good youtube channel that gets lots and lots of views all the time and that you're bringing on these amazing guests all the time but people are often wondering you know what's that youtube monetization really look like uh mm -hmm. for somebody who's doing this and you gave us permission to talk about this uh we're just gonna put that disclaimer we all realize that talking about finances is generally considered rude uh but uh because it is something that so many people wonder about like what does youtube monetization actually look like in the real world with a real youtuber uh that's doing this every day for sure. I will talk about it, you know, at a high level, I'll throw out some numbers so people can have some context to it and ask questions. So first of all, my channel face world media, is very much focused on, uh, creative entrepreneurship, but specifically technologies that do not scare people away. Literally. I have people, especially women in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Some of them are watching my videos to know how to operate Zoom, how to facilitate and moderate. It blew my mind to realize that people are really eager to learn and I can provide that safe space for them to ask questions and to be able to follow along because during the pandemic, it wasn't really an option for you yeah. not to bring mm -hmm. yourself online or for you to simply invite somebody from the genius store to like genius bar to come help you out. Um, and so it, I think empowered a lot of people and empowered me as a tutorial teacher to go find tools that can really help people for all the right reasons. So with that said, the technology segment on YouTube has a relatively high CPM, and that is how much you get 
they basically get paid for a thousand views. And there's also something called the RPM, which is YouTube is smart enough to say, you know what, we're splitting the revenue. We're, as YouTube, we're keeping 45% we're giving the creators 55%. So the RPM is what we keep, how much we really make mm-hmm. for 1000 views. So, um, so generally CPM for what I'm doing is anywhere between 20 to $40. Whereas makeup artists, bloggers could be looking at five, seven, we're like around $10. It just, it's a huge difference when you're counting on 50,000 to a hundred thousand views, mostly for my traffic. And yeah. um, so on, uh, during the pandemic, uh, I, I remember the highest I've made from YouTube ads alone was around $2,200. Now that might not sound like frankly, a lot of money to people. You could pay rent, you know, you could pay for mm-hmm. your heating mm-hmm. bills oh, yeah. or whatever. Right. Like it's interesting. Whenever I share, it's more like, you know, wow, Ali Abdul is making $4 million. This is like so insignificant, but <laughs> right. But people, I love my, um, my, one of my colleagues, Michael said, well, Faye, you see $700 cash on the ground. Do you think it's worth picking up or to look at it? I was like, you know what? I, I need to stop apologizing for my YouTube revenue now. And um, so right now on average, I make about 500. So there's kind of a dip for a lot of us, which leads to the second point is I started, um, basically building a lot of sponsorships with brands. Uh, other people say, oh, Faye, you seem to like interview people. We're from Restream. We're a live streaming company. Do you want to partner with us? Or you're a creative entrepreneur. Did you know that you can be smarter with your money by using you know, personal finance apps such as Found, a lot of uh, transcription companies. And so, so they find you and they like your style and they want you to not represent their brand, but to create content for them. So mm-hmm. that revenue is significantly higher uh, than what YouTube as just a single brand can, can pay you. A lot of people get so fixated on YouTube revenue alone. How do I increase that? I say, no, 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 go over here. It's much better if you can have five, 10 brands pay for you because mm-hmm. yeah, five to a thousand dollars each is not a lot of money for them as opposed to you asking some one person for $10,000. So mm-hmm. I will pause there. <laughs> so. Well, um, it, it's, it's actually so incredible because you're using YouTube as a platform and you're mm-hmm. using it as a platform in order to, to mar- basically market it yourself. So it's a really mm-hmm. brilliant marketing strategy. Thank you. I, I love it. You know, you have to really love it. You can't be in it for the money. So you can create the content that's truly authentic to you. And then mm-hmm. after that, the money comes. A couple of additional revenue streams that I will mention are affiliate programs. So the software you talk about that you truly love and want to share with people, you can apply to be an affiliate. Typically for software, you make anywhere between 20 to 30% per transaction. So that's where you get into the making money in your sleep, even more powerful than creating just sponsor videos, because that's still very active work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I, I love it. Yeah. It's so great to get like the real the scoop real on scoop. it. You... And I love your honesty. Love it. Thank yeah. you so much for being honest. Mm, my pleasure. So uh, it's now time for our favorite part of the podcast and something that we do daily. We did it today and we're going to continue to do it every <laughs> single day. We want to celebrate success. And so uh, we want to celebrate you. What is something recent in your life that's big or small that you want to celebrate your success on this on this episode? Oh, I really want to celebrate my, my moments with both of you. And I know we just, I mean, I met Melissa months ago, but recently I feel like the, the, the three of us have met and also 
on Monday, you know, not too long ago, I know depending on where this episode is released, the ability to uh, really be working for executive summits again, to be able to connect with so many people. Um, you know, we had a crazy morning that day with some technical issues, but it was all sorted out thanks to Melissa and the team and get to speak directly with Mark Cuban, you know, Joanne Lippman and Lisa Williams learned so much. Um, you know, for me, just a few hours, but I'm so grateful that happened. That's yeah. amazing. That's so cool. And we celebrate that with you because I mean, you know, as a podcaster and somebody like we get excited when we get big guests, you know, mm-hmm. like there, there's a, like there's, we're excited that we have day. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's <laughs> a giddiness that you get when you book somebody and you're like, Oh my goodness, I actually get to interview this person. And <laughs> like, I couldn't imagine being in your seat, getting to interview a billionaire billionaire right. mark cuban like just right. that man is just so brilliant and has worked so hard and done such amazing things in his life and you got to sit and talk with him one-on-one and mm-hmm. like pick his brain and learn from him and that's such a cool experience and and we got to share in that with you and um it's just we're proud of everything that you're doing and we want to recognize that and celebrate you for all of your hard work that brought you to this place thank you so much And also where can our listeners find you? Where can they find your podcast? Where can they find your, your system? Uh, Just everything about your yourself. Yeah. So for for me, anything phase world related, including the documentary, the YouTube channel, you can search for phase world. That is F as in Frank, E I S -S and Sam W O R L D pretty much everywhere, you know, YouTube and it's my website, phaseworld.com. And if you want to learn more about uh, podcast intelligence, it is at podintelligence.com. And I welcome questions and uh, love to grow with this community. That's awesome. And speaking of growing, what is your final piece of advice that you would like to leave for all the aspiring entrepreneurs out there that just want to give up on their nine to five and do what it is that they're passionate about? Yeah. Start creating small, start something on your own. Don't wait. You know, if you have this tremendous partnership like Melissa and Jesse, fantastic. Not everybody has a partner uh, or a network. So If that's the case, start something on your own, start small. I also wrote down, which is please reduce production complexity. Mm -hmm. That means that your podcast episodes, your work, you know, your YouTube video, your blog, it doesn't have to be be perfect. It will never be perfect. So Mm -hmm. get out of your way. Know when it's good enough to ship and give yourself the permission to not be the, you know, the greatest entrepreneur, the greatest creator you'll ever meet and just, just grow and be patient with yourself. Such, such great advice. And I love that. It, it really like that spoke to me because, you know, as creators, we often will be like, ah, it's not quite ready. It's not quite mm-hmm. ready. Not quite. And you'll just not quite ready yourself to death mm-hmm. and you'll never, and release, never release anything. anything. And sometimes yeah. you just have to say, you know what, this is good enough. Mm-hmm. And you just got to stop and put it out into the world and see what happens with it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, just like right now, um, we are still using our webcam from the computer and Faye has this amazing webcam that we're going to get soon. Um, but just looking at us side to side, I'm like, okay, we have a little bit more work to do, but we are out there. We're making it happen. And we're practicing every single time that we're on a podcast mm-hmm. and we are doing it. We've never missed a Thursday. We've always got our podcast out. And I think it's just so important to be consistent and, Mm -hmm. and to keep practicing and to keep 
pushing yourself forward mm-hmm. and keep growing and learning. And we've learned so much from you, Faye, and you are going to be one of our huge mentors. We had so many other questions, you know, but we have to bring you back on the podcast and talk about yes. all of your future successes. Cause I know I can't wait for this book to come out. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm so excited to write it. I really am. It's, yeah. it's going to be so cool. <laughs> so we are, we're so excited to have you on. And I mean, this hour has just flown by, you know, I, mm. I could sit here and talk to you forever. <laughs> oh, me too. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. And please let me know how I can really share and celebrate your work as well. You know, I'll do everything in my power and more, um, oh. to, to come along that journey with you. No, oh, thank, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much, Faye. And we appreciate all your time and we'll talk to you soon. Until next time. Faye is unbelievably inspirational to me. Like, and now I feel convicted. Man, I mean, that is where we want our podcast to be. Yeah. So, you know, her saying about how don't wait to put stuff out. Mm -hmm. And then we're sitting here looking at our video quality and we really want to go video. And you know what? We might just do it sooner than we anticipated before we get a good camera because why wait? You know, it's just a little video quality. I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love the fact that you can share your mind. You can share your stories. You can, you can be innovative and maybe not have the best equipment possible, but you are trying and you are starting. Yeah. And that's all you got to do is you have to keep trying and you have to keep pushing forward. And if you want to accomplish something, it's little steps, you know, just one small step at a time. Yeah. I love the old saying, how do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite at a time, you know, and that's <laughs> do not eat an elephant. Yeah. Don't eat an elephant. They're sweet. <laughs> and my daughter would be very upset as that's her favorite animal. But if you were to eat an elephant, you would have to do it just one bite at a time because you can't fit that whole thing in your mouth. So keep that in mind as you're pursuing your dreams. Keep that in mind with everything that you do. Do it in stages, but just do it. Don't don't wait and don't stop. And um, this was just such an amazing interview. And uh, we're so blessed to have had Faye on this podcast. And thank you so much for all of our listeners all around the world. We just want to take a moment and celebrate you. Uh, we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash creative global. Reach out to us on social media and share your successes. We love to hear your success stories. So please share that at any time. And with that, this is a Creative Global Entertainment production. Did you get motivated? Do you feel inspired? Don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses anymore, and don't forget to celebrate your successes every single day. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Reimagined Success Pod. Email us at Reimagined Success Pod at gmail.com and let us know what your successes are. Head over to patreon.com slash creative global for bonus and behind the scenes content. New episodes every Thursday at reimaginesuccesspod.com or your favorite podcast streaming platform. So let's change our mindsets and reimagine success.